0: You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Malin Gutestam, the author of Brain Tools for Teens, which is all about how teenagers can optimize their lives by understanding how their brain and body works. Malin has been teaching this stuff to high schoolers for years now, and she runs talks and gives workshops about how brain science can be applied to create better conditions for learning. She's also conducted research on this, and she created the course Young Brains, which helps kids understand their brains and use that knowledge to function better. We're going to talk today about teenage neuroscience and biology and some really specific strategies parents can use to start to optimize these things and help your teenager be more effective in everything they do by having a solid foundation. Malin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So talk to me a little bit about this book, Brain Tools for Teens. Seems like if anyone needs some brain tools, um, teens are probably to- up towards the top of the list of good candidates. So, you know, were, are there not good books out, out there on this? or Are there not good brain tools for teens? Or why did we need this new method from you?
1: Well, I've been working in, in senior high school for a long time, and after about 10 years, of teaching uh, physical activity, um, health projects and also learning to learn strategies to students. Uh, I had also actually taught teachers because they were interested in physical activity and the connection to learning. So I was looking for something uh, I wanted to find out more and I was looking for a university course and ideally it would have been about teens, teen brains, uh, learning and physical activity. But there wasn't anything in neuroscience like that. Mm. So there was more um, in medicine. And I found one course, a postgraduate course uh, in the neuroscience of leadership. And I thought, why not? I'm so interested in the brain, let's go for that. So I started and the people I was studying with were amazing executive coaches, CEOs of great companies, managers and leaders of different organizations. And we studied the leadership brain. Uh, We looked at problem solving, decision making, emotional regulation, we looked at cooperation, and we also looked at coping with change. And after a while I realized, hey, are my students who are now 16 going to wait Uh... up to 50 50 until they will be able to learn something about their brains? so there and then i actually decided that my focus was going to be on the future leadership brain Mm. or teenagers out there because there was so much value in this information that i found that i could give my teens so when i finished the course i was able to actually create a course for teens and try it out as a pilot study Mm. so i taught them brain health and learning strategies and we tested Um, We tested before perceived stress and mental well-being, and afterwards. And I actually kept doing this for three years with new groups and control groups. Uh, There was a lot of teams passing by. And the interesting thing was that in the group that participated and did the the course about the brain, their stress levels, the perceived stress was reduced and increased mental well-being. And in Mm -hmm. the control group, it was the opposite. So with that wealth of information, uh, I felt like I wanted to share, and I wanted specifically to share it with teens, because I don't think there's so many books for teens. They are for teachers, they are for parents, they are for adults, but this information is so important to reach teens today, so that's why I wrote this book.
0: So what did we need to know about the teenage brain?
1: One thing that happens is that when a child grows up before reaching the teenage, there are actually lots and abundance of connections between brain cells. There are actually way many more than, than is needed. So in the teen years there's something called pruning going on. and pruning is those neural circuits that are used, they get strengthened. And the others that are not used, they they get eliminated. And that makes the brain much more efficient uh, in what it's doing. But it also makes it important. What do we do during the teen years? (laughs) What networks are we actually strengthening? Another thing that's happening is the brain matures from the neck to the front of the the frontal lobe, uh, the forehead. And about the age of puberty... Uh, it reaches the limbic system. This is a system deep in the brain, in the temporal. Limb, and it, it's involved in emotions, in memory, long-term memory, it's, and also the reward system. So this sure. matures early, and the control system in the brain, which is actually behind the forehead, it is not fully matured until we're about 25 and 30. So emotions the reward system makes teens more prone to taking risks so that can be one explanation and also being very emotional is because the control system that actually regulates emotion isn't really in place and the last part i find very interesting is actually the reward system because the reward system changes during the teen years so they are more drawn to everything that they consider rewards and that could be anything from you know
0: Mm. good
1: food and money and sex to actually social rewards too Um,
0: yeah or good grades
1: a good grades could be anything that they find rewarding
0: You have a whole chapter in here on sleep and how sleep is really important for the teen brain also with some really interesting studies and statistics. And one of the important points that you make is about memory and how sleep works together with memory, uh, which I think is really important. And I wish I would have known about, you know, when I was studying and younger. And I think uh, one of the most practical things to know is how to make your studying and learning as efficient as possible. And I noticed a few places in this book where you provide um, some stuff that could really help with that. And this was one of them. So can you talk a little bit about the link between sleep and memory?
1: Yes, I can. And that's really one of the things with this got so exciting with this course, because what I realized was that I have for such a long time, been teaching health to, to teens and you know some listen and some don't but when we sure. started talking about the brain then they listened to everything that had to do with health mm-hmm. uh, and it was so connected to learning that this is such an easy way to, to access teens interest yeah well sleep and and memory when we sleep the uh, the short-term memories the, the memories that we have started together during the day, they're actually sorted through in the short-term memory and those is actually moved over to the long-term memory. And that's called consolidation. And that happens when we sleep. And we need, a, we need to sleep properly to, for that to happen. And that's something that when students understand, they also realize that uh, the stress that they have up to exams really makes things so much worse. And they realize that maybe they only retain 40% of what they could have if they slept properly. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the best way of actually using sleep before exams. And that is to have at least one day, be finished with your revision one day oh,
0: before. That's nice.
1: Yes. And the day before, you just have a short revision, take care of yourself, exercise, eat well yeah. and go to bed and sleep. So that their stress levels don't interfere with the memory consolidation during the night. Wow,
0: that's savvy. I like that a lot. Okay, then on the flip side of that, you write about sleep deprivation and how getting too little or low-quality sleep will negatively affect academic performance, and also it will curb your metabolism, becoming slower and less effective, which makes us more stressed, impatient, irritable, and impulsive. So a lot of, I guess, really negative side effects of not getting enough sleep um, that are a lot of the things that uh, cause grief in households with teenagers being cranky, and having stress, impatience, irritability, impulsiveness. Um, these are kind of all the, all the complaints parents have about teenagers. And here you are saying these are actually results of uh, not getting enough sleep.
1: Yeah. Well, we can actually look at ourselves. And we are also, uh, also <laughs> have that behavior when we don't sleep enough. Uh, oh, but yes. for teens to understand that, I think it's important. And what they really take with them i think in in this is that when they don't sleep enough they're more negative because the brain is goes kind of into survival mode Um, you don't learn as much but in front of your friends you can be more negative and they don't like that in front of their friends they want to be their best so Uh... that they feel like oh we should sleep more (laughs) and then the problem is that they go home Uh, And they say, I have to sleep more. And so instead of going to bed and falling asleep at midnight, they say, I have to go to sleep at 10. So they go to bed and they are wide awake and they stare up in the ceiling and they get really stressed. And Uh. and that's a problem because we have to talk about habits and what the brain is used to. Mm. What we do talk about then is actually begin at midnight and just move 20 minutes. So then you go 20 to 12, you fall asleep. And then when that works and that's a habit, then you move another 20 minutes and another 20 minutes. So you yeah. can work with your rhythm. So that, that's better.
0: That's cool. That's smart. And that's just good advice for trying to change any habit little by little. It's a great way to do it.
1: exercise is really important and we talk about not only exercise we talk about daily movements and I find this it, it's again and again um, we often tell kids on teens what to do but when we tell them the research and the science behind it um, and then provide them with different alternatives of simple mm. steps that they can choose from it's much easier to reach them and then yeah. you go away and try them and come back again. So there's the exercise part. And I mean, that's amazing for the brain. But there are so many benefits <laughs> with exercise and it also increases your sleep quality. So if you should start somewhere you start mm. with exercise and it affects your sleep. But exercise creates new blood vessels in the brain for which is great for brain function and for brain health. And Also, it increases the production of new cells in the hippocampus, the area which is involved in long-term memory. Uh, And we really like that when we get older, (laughs) that our hippocampus (laughs) has has many cells. Uh, So exercise helps us to increase the production there. It helps Mm -hmm. new cells to survive, and it also helps the cells to connect to each other, which is good for learning. It's good for memory. So for teens, it's, it's more a question of looking at how can I incorporate this in my daily life? So one part, yes, is exercise, uh, and power walking is fine. We, we can talk about getting your uh, your heart rate up, and that gets yep. training. So you don't really have to go to the gym and work it out. You can do it.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: at home, you know, you can jump up and down and, and do things like that. But uh, or dance, which is amazing.
0: Oh, there you go
1: yeah uh, but it's also the way you go to and from school if you can affect that mm, you can yeah. walk or bike but when you're studying incorporate physical movements in the brakes and that will keep you awake and also he- help you to be more alert and easier for you to learn things
0: yeah i like that you wrote in here that the brain works on 90 minute cycles um, according to one of the first sleep researchers nathaniel Kletman. and that's why we kind of end up feeling tired at the end of each 90 minute cycle which we sometimes just ignore and press on but definitely using those signals as times to take a break to get up and stretch and do uh you know get some little weights around have something to do and um that's hard as a teenager uh, if you're stuck in school, but it does seem like usually there's at least uh, you get up and change classes or something every uh, 90 minutes or so, so there's at least a break and you can kind of, you know, even do some little uh, jump around and shake yourself out but uh, as you're kind of going between classes.
1: And I think also that In evolution um, maybe the 90 minute circle uh, were perfect for us but when we focus so much and we strain our abilities we use our uh, brain in different ways uh, with computers and laptops and learning and screens uh, we need breaks more often than that actually Mm. Um, they don't have to be long but we actually need breaks uh, for the body too. So just standing up, breathing, looking away for a couple of minutes, having a glass of water and sitting down again is much better than not doing anything.
0: Yeah. And thinking about good, having a good workstation for your teenager to be able to work at somewhere they can maybe stand while they work or have a standing desk or a nice, you know, ergonomic, um, things for them to do and uh maybe fun things to be able to get up and have breaks like a little trampoline you could bounce on or some like little weights you know or uh something like that and things to encourage taking those breaks and getting exercise and being physical is all good
1: yeah because it's something we have to learn to how to take breaks we usually t- mm-hmm. t- or teens that I meet in, in senior high school when they come, they usually think that they should sit and press on press on for as long. Ah, uh,
0: yeah, I just need to focus and press through.
1: Yeah, it makes you lazy or something like that. And uh, then, uh, when they really get into the the science subjects and they, they have maths and they have to study really hard, they get so tired and frustrated. But when they realize how to take breaks takes short and often, and they do it in the right way. So they don't go and sit down with their screens again, with their... a,
0: <laughs>
1: Because then they still get tired. That doesn't they, count as a break. Yeah, they have to realize that for themselves. So they really have to try it out.
0: Mm. There's another interesting study that you talk about in here. It's about a group of teenagers and adults, and they're shown pictures with different facial expressions, like anger and fright. And the teenagers had more emotional reaction to the pictures, and also for them it was more, it was harder for them to interpret what emotion was being portrayed compared to the adults. And they, uh, interestingly, were using a different part of their brain to interpret and react to the images. So, what's going on there? And why is there those big differences?
1: Well, during the teen years, uh, teens actually, or the networks that are in charge of, uh, we understand ourselves and others, they develop. And we also learn very much from face-to-face interaction with people to interpret uh, facial expressions, their body language, um, Mm. kind of social skills that are very important for our, uh, for relationships. Now with screens and texting, uh, a part of that is taken away. So the practice, they don't practice as much, but it can be that when you're, especially in your younger teens, that it can be more difficult. I I at least have met uh, teens that they tell you off and they like, don't look at me. And it seems as if they can't interpret what kind of emotion I have. Um, So um, maybe that could be one thing that these networks are developing during this time.
0: So then what, um, how do we help that development along or what causes that to progress more effectively?
1: Well, it is a bit harder for the brain uh, to learn this through a screen. I mean, we can still see facial yeah. expressions, but even if we can see the face of someone, we can't see the body. So I think the brain has to work a bit harder to actually understand what, what people are portraying um, when yeah. you... See them on a screen. So it is important for teens to have the the interaction where they actually meet and also to interact with adults because then they learn more about what we do. It's kind of role modeling.
0: We are here with Malin Gutestam talking about how to hack teenage neuroscience and biology. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: It's a lot of things. And if I compare yeah. to when I went to school, which is a long time ago, if I forgot yeah. books in school, uh, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. But these today, they can always find more information in different ways they never finished. The act of listening is the, one of the most important things. hmm I have three children. They're now adults, but uh, they were very different. My youngest uh, daughter, she we had a, a, an armchair in the kitchen and she used to come there and sit and say, Mom, I have to talk about life.
0: <laughs> so I
1: cooked dinner and I listened to everything about life, and it was very easy yeah. to be an active listener with her. Yeah. With my son, it was during the time I drove him to his uh, ice hockey practice back and forth. That's when yeah. that he talked to me about things. So finding those moments where you can actually listen to what's going on I think that's very important and then remembering that you are their biggest fan and supporter and that means that's so important for them Uh, always you know that you are there and you listen and you support.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.